You are tuned in to Awaken Radio with Connie Chapman. To listen to more episodes, go to ConnieChapman.com or subscribe on iTunes. Hello everyone, this is Connie and welcome to today's episode of Awaken Radio. It is so wonderful to be back here with you and I am really excited about today's conversation. I am going to be speaking with Jordan Bach, who is a spiritual teacher and life coach. Recognized as one of the most influential gay teachers on the modern spiritual scene by PQ Monthly, Jordan's inspirational messages reach a new generation of people searching for fulfillment and inner peace. In 2013, the advocate named him an LGBT architect of the next decade and listed him among the 40 under 40 most accomplished leaders. He appeared regularly on Logo TV's Secret Guide to Fabulous, produced by Kelly Ripper. In addition to his coaching practice, Jordan is a GLAAD media partner and consults with major corporations on LGBT brand initiatives. Jordan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Yay, I'm happy to be here. (laughs) I'm really thrilled that I get to chat to you because I've been following your work for a little while now and I follow you on social media as well, particularly on Instagram. And I love your approach to this work. I love the messages that you share because you, in all that you do, you speak from such a real and authentic space. You speak straight from the heart and you're, and you're a total straight shooter. So it's just like, here's what's going on. Here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I'm working through at the moment. And, and you teach spirituality in such a real and practical way. And so your work always really resonates with me. And I know it must with a lot of other people because you've developed such a beautiful following for what you do. And where I really want to begin with you, what I'm, what I'm really curious about is, is how this began for you, sort of your journey of how you began to have this awakening to your own spirituality, to developing your own spiritual practice, and to now getting onto the path that you are now of being a teacher of this work for others. Wow. Um, well, it has, it's been a journey. Mm. It has certainly been a journey. I um, started six years ago. I graduated from Parsons School of Design, which is a design school in New York City, and I studied marketing there. I studied design and marketing and thought for sure I'd go into work for a fashion company or something. And I graduated and started interviewing and quickly realized that I was cut out for something else. Um, I think so many of us who do work in healing and helping and uplifting at some point have heard a voice that says you're here to do something else you're here to do something differently and i heard that voice uh back in the day when i graduated all way back six years ago or something six uh yeah six years ago so uh shortly thereafter i just asked myself the the question what is it that makes you come alive and that has always been for me spirituality uh, which is to say trying to understand life and trying to understand the psychological context within which I hold my own life and really harnessing my own power to change that that psychological context and so I started just sharing stuff on social media 
And that took off. And what I tell so many of my coaching clients and, and people online who I talk to every day is that when you start pursuing a path, if it's meant for you, you'll start seeing signs and you'll experience uncanny synchronicities that sort of usher you on. Because in that moment, when you've heard the call and you've answered it, you have the wind of grace at your back. And how did you actually then, uh, even right back before that moment, first begin to explore your own spirituality? I mean, you, you mentioned you were always fascinated by this on your own journey. How did you get exposure to that? I didn't have any exposure to it in my household because my parents, uh, we, we, were raised, we, we were raised as non-believers and I had no exposure to any system of spirituality or faith or wisdom tradition. Um, and so even still, ever since I was a little boy, I had leanings towards all things mystical and esoteric. And I was always, you know, interested in magic as a little boy for Halloween. I always dressed up as a wizard. And... <laughs> Then I started getting interested in lots of different faith and wisdom traditions. And I, I, I had an experience once when I was about, I would say, four years old, where I was in my crib um, in that age right before you get a bed. You're still in the crib. Mm -hmm. And I woke up and it was a sunny day. I can remember the weather. The sun, the sun was coming in through the window. I always, in my memories, it's funny, I always remember the weather. Um, it was a sunny, hot day, and I woke up in my crib, and I knew, and I was alone, and I knew that the only person in my house was my grandmother, who lived with us growing up, and I knew that she was all the way down in the basement, and I was on the third floor, and suddenly a wave of terror came over me, and I you know, because when you're a little, little kid, when you're alone, it's terrifying. And to know that you need to get to someone and that they're far away uh, when you're that little is, uh, is frightening. So I had this wave of terror come over me. And then just as quickly as it came over me, I had this knowing. And I call it a knowing because some people say, you know, they hear the voice of God and I didn't hear any booming voice. I just experienced this knowing that I was guided and protected and that my long journey from the third floor down to the laundry room in the basement would be okay, that I would be safe. And I think I've carried that experience with me throughout my entire life, a knowing that I am always guided and protected, and we all are. Mm -hmm. um, and so understanding, I think, that, there's a, that there is a, a larger force inside of us around us, beneath us, and above us at all times. Um, th th that's the, that is just the foundation of everything I do. Mm. And so you, when you reach that point after doing your studies in design and then feeling that inner voice and that inner call saying you're here for something else, obviously this, this faith and this knowing that you had is what helped carry you forward to trust that. But did you have any fear or resistance because I do hear this from people who go through their studies or even start a career path and then something else starts to 
niggle at them and say, no, this isn't the path for you. Did you, did you encounter any challenge with, with stepping off the path you thought you were going to do and listening to that voice? Or did you find that your faith and knowing was what uh, just pulled you beyond any fear? Mm, yeah. I mean, I, I think so many people experience the fear and I did too. It's a, um, you know, you can have an inner knowing when you're with yourself. But when you're a sensitive person, as I know so many people who are listening to this uh, would self-identify as, uh, you can get so absorbed in other people's journeys, in other people's opinions. Um, because it's our nature as sensitive people to understand other people's perspectives. So how crazy is it that, um, you know, it's like uh, people say some things are a blessing and some things are a curse. And uh, to be so sensitive, uh, that means sometimes you also have to, um, you also just really absorb other people's perceptions of everything. Mm, absolutely. And when you're trying to follow your heart and you're trying to, you, forget about following your inner voice when you're trying to even figure out what your inner voice sounds like and you're trying to perceive it uh, and you have all these the, a, a cacophony of voices telling you that something silly something stupid um, it's it can be really challenging I know that when I was going through um, that period right after college uh, right after I got out of university where I was interviewing for jobs I thought that the only way to do it right was to get a real quote unquote job, you know, job mm. uh, and to get a paycheck and a salary from a corporation. And I, I interviewed at Club Monaco and I had such a horrible, horrible interview. The woman was so rude and it wasn't just that she was rude. She said to me, uh, I, I, I inquired as to why the salary was so low um, <laughs> because it's expensive to live in New York City. <laughs> and she said, well, you'll be able to go to exclusive events where, where there will be celebrities. <laughs> and listen, like, I, 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 I love uh, thumbing through, you know, people and Us <laughs> Weekly every now and then. Uh, one of my favorite sites is the Daily Mail. I feel like they have the best, like, celeb paparazzi pictures. So listen, I, I love that stuff. Uh, but do I want that to be my life's work? Do I want to be going to work every day upholding and supporting a system that says that they can charge people less money, or rather they can, uh, you know, give people less of a salary uh, because they'll be in the presence of someone who's in magazines? That to me, I remember walking out the door that day, by the way, it was a rainy day, See, I told you I had, I had weather memory. <laughs> I walked out the door on that overcast, muggy day in New York and said, something's got to change. And that's going to be me and what I want to do with my life. And after that, I started, when I came out of the closet for the second time, first time was as a gay man, second time was as a deeply spiritual person, a lot of people who had known me for years were surprised. Uh because they knew me as like the fun loving, you know, guy who, who's always the last one standing up at the party at 4am. And there I am talking about God and the universe and love. And they're like, what? Who is it? What's this kid doing? 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and my father said, you'll, you'll never make a dime doing what you do or trying to do what you do. So, uh, so you shouldn't do it. And I proved him wrong. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But you have touched on what I know so many people struggle with, one, around the path of following their heart, and two, around their own spirituality and who they feel they are, is, is both the judgment of others, which you know I've experienced and I hear so many people experience when, as you describe it as a coming out of the closet, and an all, it almost is, like suddenly showing people who we feel we really are and what we're really passionate about. And then the judgment sometimes of our parents who have the best intentions and just want us to be successful and happy, but who live in a, from a different generation and, and believe that having a stable job is, is the path to success. And, and I've encountered challenges on both of those levels. So I love that you touched on that. And being a highly sensitive person, as you mentioned, we're very uh, hyper aware of other people's uh, perceptions and opinions. It's almost like we can feel it. How have you come to develop such a strong sense of, of connection with yourself and the ability to listen to yourself despite those voices? Because I just see so many people getting held back because they will listen to other people rather than listening to themselves. You know, I was just reading something about wounded healers, about the idea of wounded healers. And the concept of wounded healers is such that someone has experienced a challenge, emotional or physical or otherwise, and they've been unable to get help from other people beyond a certain degree. And so they've had to turn inward to find a source of healing within themselves. And that is the wounded healer. And when they've done so successfully, when they've been able to turn inward and find a source of, 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 of peace and healing within themselves, um, they can become natural healers in the lives of others. I, I, at a very young age, was exposed to negative emotions, the whole, and we had a lot of joy in our home too, but I was exposed to the full spectrum of human emotions. Okay. Like fighting and screaming and, and laughing and hugging, but it was a full spectrum. And as a sensitive person, I, I absorbed everything very deeply. I mean, I got such strong imprints about anger, shame, uh, happiness, joy, excitement, um, it, it was, it was a lot. And I think that anyone who's experienced these emotions can tell you, uh, gosh, it, it, it's a lot. Um, and it's so much that I just completely lost my train of thought <laughs> as to what, what was the question you lost? You know, I was saying to you, uh, and, and I mean, what you're saying is, is exactly on point anyway, because we're talking about, and 
exactly what you're saying. So many of us come on this journey because we have had quite intense experiences growing up. I do feel that those of us who are here to be the light are often put in the darkness because it becomes the catalyst for that intense yearning for the light or it, it, it is what awakens us. And so I was, yeah, and I, I was saying to you, well, I was asking you, and you had mentioned this journey of then going inwards because we need to then reach a point where we can drown out all that external noise and find that that peace and that stillness and that serenity within. Yeah, so yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's how so many of us, I, I don't know if maybe you had a similar experience, did you? Mm. Oh, absolutely. I had the full spectrum of emotions. I had, I had my sister was sick. I had my dad had a drinking problem, all of it. And you're right, a mixture of the joy and the happiness as well. But it it was my childhood experiences that then led me to a yearning for more peace and happiness because that wasn't really what I experienced when I was younger. Yeah, and I always, you know, I, I'm always very quick to say for good reason that, you know, my my primary caretakers, my parents, my my grandmother did the best that they could. Mm, absolutely. And I wouldn't be who I am today if it weren't for my my early childhood experience. Yeah, so I, I, again, the wounded healer is someone who's experienced a challenge and beyond a certain de degree was unable to get help from other people. So that could mean that you were surrounded by people who wanted really to do the best for you, but there was something missing. Uh, and that thing, of course, is something that no one else can give you. And that is an inward source of, of peace. And thank God I had the experiences that I had when I was younger because it led me to, to find that strength within myself. And, you know, to answer your question about, you know, how do you, how do you listen to your own inner voice and, and, and sort of pull back from, from giving so much credence to other people's opinions and voices? Uh, for me, it is so, I can't even say the words so important because even those words diminish how I feel about it. I, my primary relationship is the one that I have with God. Mm. My relationship, every other relationship I have in my life comes after that. Every single one, my mother and my father. Every single relationship comes after that one. My relationship with God is my number one relationship. To know at the times when I feel like I'm losing my path or, or I've lost my voice or I, I, I don't know what I should do next, to know God mm. and to, in that moment, choose faith over fear mm. is... <clears throat> is and has been for me, as I said, the most important thing. The most important thing. Mm. And is that, yeah. does that come through a meditation practice? Has that been the foundation of it? I mean, when we're, when we're using the, the term God, because I know as well you uh, come from sort of an understanding of A Course in Miracles and that's the, the language they often use there. And for people, if that word doesn't resonate, if we could also use, you know, spirit, whatever that word is for that person, has has the has a meditation practice been the foundation of building that relationship? 
I would say that the foundation of that relationship is a knowing. Uh, and speaking of A Course in Miracles, uh, A Course in Miracles says the only thing that you can know for sure is that God is. And as you said, God, I use the word God because I was, it's so funny, I was so delighted coming from a home with no spiritual, spiritual psychological framework on which to view life. Um, no, no, you know, I wasn't raised uh, with strong Jewish faith, though my father is Jewish. I wasn't raised with strong Catholic faith, even though my, my mother is, is, is Catholic. We're atheists. And I was so, del and, and so I grew up, my father would say, people who talk about God are stupid. They're not intelligent people. And my father is a very intelligent person. And so as the as the, you know, figurehead of, of intelligence in, in the home, I just took that for granted. And so I went through so much of my early life. If only, if only I could see myself now back then, um, I went through the, the, the beginning part of my life really judging people for believing in any sort of higher power or force greater than ourselves. And, and then I had a understanding that I've had these experiences in my life and that's what it was talking about. That's what my experiences rather, um, I should say, that's what my experiences were. I thought that God just meant a white man with a beard sitting in the clouds who, you know, pounds his staff when he's angry uh, at you and throws down lightning bolts when you've done something wrong. That's what I thought God meant. But then I realized Oh, that knowing that you had when you were in the crib, that knowing that you were going to be okay, that, that feeling of a presence, a, a safe presence around you, that is God for me. Mm -hmm. And that shift, that understanding, I was then so excited to walk in the door of my house and go, I believe in God. <laughs> um, because it was no longer a scary um, word for me. It was something that was like, oh my gosh, I get it. And not only, and, and because I get it now, I can look at old books. I can read the Bible. And that's crazy. That's crazy to, to having grown up in my family, to be able to open up the Bible and appreciate it, to be able to open up any sort of texts um, that have the word God and be able to see it from my point of view, from my experience of God, which is love. Mm. And I'm just curious, you know, hearing you talk about this, you have such a solid relationship with this and you have such a powerful connection to that knowing. And I often, um, when I talk to people about the knowing, often use the term intuition as well, which is, you know, they're all just different labels, but I help people understand that knowing as, an, as their inner voice, their intuition, their inner knowing. Um, do you ever still encounter fear all those times where, you know, I know the times where my mind will just be going crazy, right, with chatter and with noise and, and with that voice that I can't seem to slow down. And in those moments, I find it very difficult to access my inner knowing. I know it's there, but it's like there's something in the way. There's too much noise. Do you ever encounter those times where your, your mind is just going a bit crazy? And, and what is your practice for bringing yourself back when you disconnect? I, I was... I was in one just a couple of days ago mm. and in a really confusing situation 
um, where there, there was a concatenation of events that was just totally out of this world and crazy and put me in a really difficult position. And, and, and I'm calling my trusted, you know, people and asking, what the hell should I do? What's going on here? And I started to, you know, start acting on it, you know, start making choices to, 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 to get beyond it. And my friend, um, David Piazza, a Kundalini teacher said something that was so great. He said, sounds like you need to create some space for grace. Mm. And I was like, Oh yeah, I do. Um, Sometimes when we experience fear, um, I know for me, you have this, there's this tendency to be like, okay, bust through the blocks, bust through the fear. And sometimes you need to stop. Sometimes the fear um, is telling you to really be there in the moment. Can you expand your heart enough to hold the weight of uncertainty can you be in that space of not trying to fix something can you just allow it to be fearful um and this was my experience just a few days ago um and it changed that that was the miracle uh that i was seeking was um creating some space for grace and not trying to rush to fix something or rush to understand why it happened the way it did, but just create some space for me to experience the fear that I was experiencing and trust that things are happening Mm. at the right time, that things are happening at the right time and that all things are lessons that that the universe would have us learn. Mm. And, you know, I know from reading your work, there is another example of where you talk about this, which was, you know, cause, because what we're talking about and what you're speaking about now is following our, our heart, is listening to our inner wisdom, even when there's crazy stuff going on in our minds. And I know you shared a story on your website about having to end a relationship where, you know, this was a really difficult decision for you and to end a relationship with someone that you were really in love with. And, and we often find ourselves at these turning points and in those types of experiences you'll have emotion and fear and all this stuff rising up Um, can you perhaps share with us for people who haven't heard that story the process you went through to you know make these really difficult decisions and really follow your heart and your inner wisdom around something where there's so much emotion tied in there too yeah i you know and this ties back to what I was just saying about uncertainty. And I've realized over the past year, that's, that's one of my sticking points. That's something that makes me uncomfortable is the not knowing. Uh, because my whole life, I have been really good at figuring out why things are happening, at figuring out the lessons that life is trying to teach me, uh, and then getting about the business of learning them. And now in my work, I help people understand why things are happening the way they are and perhaps why uh, or rather what life is trying to teach them. And so my breakup uh, just over a year ago, uh, I I was deeply in love with someone and 
we had a great deep relationship and we had a few sticking points that we couldn't solve we were both committed to solving it but we but we couldn't figure it out and so i we both made the decision to end the relationship and what what was so confusing and what killed me and killed him was being confused how can this happen how can you fall so deeply in love with someone and then need to end the relationship why is the relationship over should it be over maybe we just need some time no maybe you just need to never see him again what why 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 did this happen and i couldn't figure it out you know um and and my lesson there one of them was in was in that was in letting go of the need to know why things happened the way they did and gosh i mean uh, it's that's that's so hard um to be and that's what, why i was saying you know create space for grace allow yourself to stay in the moment of uncertainty where you're like i don't know what's going to happen whether it's you're about to you know lose a job or lose a home or lose a partner or whatever it is can you can you be in that moment of uncertainty and say i don't know anything but i know god mm-hmm. exists i don't know anything but i know that i am guided and i am supported i don't know anything but i know that i'm safe mm-hmm. um and that was the experience for me of my breakup and and also Oh my gosh, I shared my my story about my breakup and the lessons that I learned from it and that has been uh since I began doing this work by far the most popular thing I've ever posted. Um it has resonated with people so deeply and it came from my greatest pain in the past year. So um that's a that's a lesson for me and for anyone listening that whatever you're going through is exactly what you're go- what you should be going through uh in part because it's something that if you learn deeply about you can effectively teach other people about mm. um yeah and what you're touching on is surrender right i mean often we are pushed to these moments when we're when we are perhaps disconnected or when we are going after our own desires and agendas or uh not even that we're doing that but just that we need to learn how to fully almost hand over the reins of our life we may hit these moments where something like this happens that we can't possibly understand and and the practice there is surrender right oh my gosh yeah i mean i love dreams dream my dream life has always been you know vivid and really interesting for me as a person who's like you know just interested in 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 psychology and the way the mind works and i had a dream maybe a year ago where i woke up and my my then boyfriend um and i we did a lot of dream traveling together um we were in some cave and we had some you know person who was who had you know in the role of like a, a terrorist kind of um chained us up to a wall and there right next to our hands chained up against the wall was a was a lever a lever and we had to press the lever and the lever would 
would um, kill us, would slash our throats. So we had to commit our own suicide. And this is these are my crazy, fucked up dreams. <laughs> um, and so I'm in this dream and I'm like, oh my God, this is it. I mean, I'm chained to the wall, so there's no getting out here. I am facing death. And my dreams are so vivid that I, that, that I, I feel that I, I actually have lived them. So I have lived this, the experience of, you know, facing my death and needing to do something that would not only kill me, but also be uh, painful, physically painful. And so I looked over at my boyfriend and he just pressed the lever and I saw like this gruesome, you know, he, he killed himself and his like throat is getting slashed open. And I'm like, oh my God. And then I real I, I have to do it now. And I, you have this wave of terror. And then in that moment, I said, it's okay. You're going to live beyond this. You know that, right? You know, talking to myself as I often do, like classic crazy person. Um, and I say, you're going to be okay after this. This isn't it. It's just a minute. And I had a wash of peace come over me. And I pressed the lever. And I woke up. And that is the experience of surrender. Of knowing that the most gruesome thing that you can imagine can't hold a candle to the safety that you always have around you. Mm. And so perhaps sometimes these experiences where the thing that we think we could never let go of or the thing that we think if it happened, we would just almost die or fall apart. Yeah, that's it, the thing that the universe <laughs> is going to bring. Yeah. Right? Exactly. So then we realize our, our true power because am I right? Like in, through that experience of, of this relationship ending and maybe some, some of the other ones you've had as well, it's almost like you come even closer to realizing who you really are through that experience. Oh my gosh, yeah. And the, I mean, these are terrifying experiences. And if you don't have them in dreams, maybe you'll have them in real life, and uh, to, to use that term loosely. Or maybe you'll have it in a, in a trip using some sort of psychedelic. Uh, but one way or another, we have to confront our fears. Uh, Carl Jung said that um, one doesn't become enlightened by imagining figures of light, but rather by making the darkness conscious. And our darkness will remain unconscious unless it's brought up, whether we discover it ourselves through prayer and meditation, whether we take a psychedelic with the intention of healing, whether we go into um, uh, you know, any, any kind of therapeutic setting or whether it appears to us in our dreams. I think that's one of the reasons why Carl Jung was so interested in, in, in the dream world is because we're able to look at our, our subconscious or rather our unconscious and, and really say, holy, holy shit, this, this scares me. And let me take a good look at this fear. How do I move beyond this fear or, or, or move through it? And, that's why vivid dreaming is so cool um, because, you know, in that dream, for example, I, I, the, the ultimate fear, the fear of death, um, I, I, I worked through it. And, you know, it just occurred to me right now, I started to think about what I was saying about my, you know, my father being such a staunch, staunch atheist um, and people poo-pooing belief. And I'm surrounded, 
you know, I, I, as a liberal, per, you know, as a liberal progressive who grew up in Harvard in with back, Harvard in my backyard um, and higher education all around me, uh, believers have been, you know, shunned and sort of marginalized as feeble thinkers and weak people. It was done in my home and it's done in society at large uh, in liberal circles. And the fact is uh, I faced death in my dream, of course, uh, but I faced death and through my belief uh, and even more than that, through my experience of my faith, I moved beyond it. And so I don't think that that's feeble-mindedness. I think it's strength. I think faith is strength. And I don't care what you call it. And I really don't even care, uh, uh, you know, what the specific tenets of anybody's beliefs, you know, anybody's belief is. The question is, do you have an experience of transcendence of fear and, uh, and, and, and an acceptance of, of love and trust and safety back into your heart? Mm, and that is the that is the learning and the lesson that comes from every experience where we have to uh, face that fear or lose something that we are attached to or uh, really rediscover who we are through through challenge and through uh, through pain sometimes. Um, oh yeah. was was your experience when you were younger? I mean, we haven't touched on it yet, but you said around the first time that you came out of the closet, um, uh, was sharing sharing with your family you know that you were gay was this another part of one of these big experiences where you had to move beyond fear no it wasn't it wasn't for me um now i'm coming out of the closet as someone who didn't have a horrific time coming out awesome uh, i i was sitting on my kitchen counter at 12 years old and my mother turned to me smoking a cigarette under the kitchen fan um because you know you don't want the smoke in the house of course and <laughs> <laughs> um, and she, she turned to me and said, do you think you're gay? Wow. And I said, I didn't say anything. I just nodded. Yes. And she goes, yeah, I thought so. And then we hopped into the car to go get another pack of cigarettes. And I got a pack of candy and we listened to Tina Turner in the car. That was my coming out experience. And what that did for me was allow me to live life without needing to unlearn fearful thoughts about being gay mm. and about my my sexuality and my and my and my gender identity and so uh you know this world embodiment i was going to say embodiment isn't easy you know being here in these bodies as spiritual beings having a human experience isn't easy um, and gosh, it irks me. I, that's something I have to work on, but it irks me when people go, yeah, I mean, all of this stuff you say is great, but easier said than done. And I'm like, well, that's the human experience <laughs> is that it's extraordinarily difficult, um, and extraordinarily challenging, or at least it can be. And, 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 and it's about, uh, we're born with love as these sensitive creatures and fear is what we've learned here. And our real job in life is to unlearn the fearful thinking of the world and, and return to a place of love. And I didn't have to do the unlearning of fearful thinking, um, that so many gay people have to do and what that did for me. And I think it, it portends the future of many gay people who are being born today 
where they won't have to, their spirits won't have to be occupied by with the gargantuan task of unlearning these fearful thoughts about their sexuality and their gender identity. They can be free, like I was, to think about higher ideas, mm. like spirituality was for me. And I, I, can't, I can't imagine um, what my life would be like had I not have that privilege and uh, that, that blessing. Um, and I believe that we all have a certain set of fates in life uh, that our soul chooses before we incarnate um, to serve as a container for our soul's growth. And one of those fates that uh, I, I believe I chose was to have a, a family that was accepting of my, my sexuality so that I might be something greater in, in my life. Um, and so I take that very seriously. And I take the responsibility of that privilege and that blessing very seriously. And that's why I, I, um, I've, you know, made, made it a point to talk to LGBT people in this lifetime. And how much freedom, I mean, to feel so supported and accepted for who you are. I think it's whether it's through our sexuality or just things that we're interested in or our spirituality. So many of us feel either shame or guilt or embarrassment about who we feel we truly are and so we hide it away and what an amazing experience for you to find so much freedom and support in your fullest self-expression of who you feel you are um i can see you know what an amazing experience that must have been was your dad totally okay about it as well uh my dad was the tough guy in high school um and he all of the other kids back in the 70s uh 1970 were were beating up on and making fun of this gay kid. And my dad took him under his wing and, and you know, let everybody know that they couldn't touch him. And to this day, they're best friends. Yeah. So, and that's just because my dad was raised by a, a, a European parent and, uh, you know, who wore fur coats and, and carried a, a purse. Uh, his, his father did, um, <laughs> a German guy. <laughs> Uh, named Leon. And, and so, yeah, it's just because my dad wasn't a, 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 an, an ignorant person. Uh, he was ahead of his time. Mm. <laughs> Phenomenal. And you're exactly right because we will come into our families and, and our environments, as you mentioned, with things we need to learn and experience in our lifetime. And so many people have in the past manifested those learnings through their sexuality and through needing to come out and perhaps experiencing a lot of judgment or, or other people's fear around that. Um, and I suppose it just means we're, we're, we're all getting different assignments, aren't we, along the journey? Yep, all getting different assignments. And, um, and yeah, this is earth school. And yeah. so it's, it's not meant to be easy all the time um but we are meant to follow a path that feels like ease to us and so whatever anybody listening you know is experiencing um no matter what it is if you can see that sometimes fighting it uh is a path of such great resistance and turmoil and an act of surrender may be the path of least resistance for you. It may be a path of ease when you can give up on fighting, 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 fighting something and allow yourself to just be. Um, 
and there may be some panic, some terror, even some some loneliness a lot of the time, but can you can you can you expand your heart to sit in that space and and be there and understand that this world isn't always easy um, and sometimes it's sometimes it's very sad and very hard but I guess if you can if you can laugh you know I just posted an Instagram last night if you can giggle at least you know hic- I said it if you can at least have a little hiccup of a giggle about the pain that you're going through um, then you'll be okay then I really think you'll be okay Mm. And I love what you said about following the path of ease and giving up the fight. That has been a massive lesson I've had to experience myself. And I know anyone who's going through a challenge, I would say the exact same thing. It is those moments where you stop trying to fix it or fight with it or resist it and you stop and you surrender and you listen. Uh, And that's where you get to have the divine intervention and the miracle occur that creates that shift. Um, I also just wanted to ask you just on a final point around around the practice of forgiveness, because in in spirituality, and I know in, in the teachings of A Course in Miracles, this term forgiveness is used so much. A lot of people might see forgiveness as like someone's done something wrong and I have to forgive them, or I've done something wrong and I need to forgive myself. Um, but I know there is a deeper perspective to forgiveness that can bring so much peace. Uh, how do you how do you see that practice of forgiveness? How do you practice it in your own life? A Course in Miracles says a forgiveness is a selective remembering of the thoughts that we have given in love and the thoughts that we have received in love. It is a selective remembering of the thoughts that we've given and received in love, the loving thoughts. And you must forget everything else. So, okay, that tall order, right? I've found that, one, when you learn a lesson from a painful experience, it relieves the pain because it gives the pain meaning. It gives your mass a, a message. It give, you know, it's a test that has now become your testimony. And given what I said earlier about giving up the need to know why everything happens... Um, for me, it's, it's really become, again, knowing that I am always safe, I am always guided, and I'm, I am always protected, is a thought that I can return my mind to when I'm going through a painful experience. And I can literally take the experience, take the emotions. Um, we can do this. We can take the, the pain and you can even visualize handing it over to spirit, however you conceive of it. You can literally visualize handing over this, this, this darkness, this shadow in your heart, uh, this rock in your stomach. You can visualize handing it over to spirit so that spirit might transform it. Um, and, and that is the practice of surrender and forgiveness for me is, is a return, is a, is a release of all of my, excuses, my fearful mind's excuses about why I need to remain separated from love. And it's when I just dive right back in with no good reason, even though somebody hurt me, even though somebody said those awful things, even though I fucked up so badly and really hurt someone, I can 
throw a blanket over me when I'm laying in bed. And I literally just did this. Some people listening will think I'm a kook and some people might think <laughs> otherwise. I, I was having a terrible bout of, of, of shame about something I had done. And I was laying in bed and I have this amazing cozy blanket that I have at the foot of my bed. And I looked down at that blanket and I was like, gosh, I love that blanket. <laughs> and I go, you know what? This is going to be my forgiveness blanket for the day. <laughs> and knowing how forgiveness works, I didn't have a good reason to forgive myself at the moment. But I took the blanket and I tossed it over myself and completely covered myself and allowed myself to feel the experience of love and of peace. Forgiveness has no good reason. Love restores sanity, not the other way around. There's no good... You don't have to have a good reason to love someone else or yourself. Love is a good reason in and of itself. That is beautiful. I'm going to find my own forgiveness blanket and I am going to use that <laughs> because I love that. It's so beautiful. Jordan, this has been um, honestly such an amazing conversation. I am so grateful for your honesty and transparency and for your beautiful, just real approach to this work. You know, I love that there are so many teachers now demystifying the whole woo-woo-ness of sort of having a spiritual belief system or a spiritual practice and just making it real. And this is how we apply it to our daily lives. So thank you so much for sharing this with my audience and for being here with me today. You're so very welcome and lots of love to you and to everybody listening wherever you are. <laughs> awesome. Thank you to everyone who's been tuned into today's episode and I look forward to chatting to you next time. Bye.